Welcome to Passion Life Church. Good morning, Passion Life Church. How you doing this morning? You doing good? Well, welcome to this part one of what we've entitled today, A Beautiful Surrender. We're talking about, and we're going to talk about in the next two weeks, the Christmas story. And really, what, what did it take to make it happen? What did Mary and Joseph, because we're, we're going to focus on them too today, what did it take for them to bring to the world the first Christmas? But before we do that, let me ask you a question. What does your Christmas entail? What does it take for you to bring Christmas to your family and maybe through friends or what, what do you do? Is it, does it take a lot? You make cookies. How many of you make cookies? Let me see the, the cookie people, all the, the cookie people. All right. We have like only like four cookie people. All right. So then let's try, I don't know. What, what are we making pies? Where, where are the pie people? We got pie people. Okay. So the rest of you don't eat during Christmas or uh, let me try this. The gluten-free cookies. Where are the gluten-free cookies? Oh, there. We, oh, I forgot I was in California. For, sorry about that. The pies. How many of you make turkeys on Christmas? Some of you make turkeys. Yeah, that, that's a lot. Now, some of you raised your hand. I wasn't asking you about your spouse. Come on, somebody. I was asking you about, do you make turkeys? How many of you decorate the house? Let me see. All right. How many of you decorate the house inside and out? Let me see. Oh, my goodness. We've got the decorative people. How many of you ladies today that you would admit that your husband is like a Clark Griswold type? And, I mean, he just goes all out for Christmas. Let me see. All right. got one Clark Griswold in the house. Have you seen Christmas Vacation? It's awesome. You know, when we look at the Christmas story, we're going to um, – when we look at the Christmas story, Mary and Joseph were two key figures that brought about the first Christmas. And as we prepare all of our decorations and the Christmas trees and the things that you know, we set up, um, I started to think about what is it that we're really looking for? I mean, what, what is, I, I know we have the parties. I, I know that we love the lights and I, I, I get all of those things. But I started to ask myself, like, what, what, what is it really that we're looking for? I mean, is it, is it like a, a sentimental feeling type of thing? Is that, that could be part of it. Is it this nostalgic memories of Christmas's past? And that, that could be it. But here's what I came to realize. Here's what we're really looking for when it comes to Christmas. We are looking for the wonder of Christmas. The wonder of Christmas. And where do we get that from? I think we get that from Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. This is, this is a popular scripture, but it really exemplifies. It says this, For unto us a child is born. And unto us a son is given, and the government shall be on his shoulder, and his name shall be called, come on, say it with me, Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God. How many of you know today we do not serve a wimpy God, void of strength, that we serve a mighty God? Come on, let's say that together. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I looked up that word wonder because I thought, you know what, this is what Christmas is about. Christmas is about the wonder. Everybody say that with me. Say wonder. Christmas is about the wonder. Why would it say that his name shall be called wonderful? Well, I looked up that word in the Hebrew, and you know what wonder means? Wonder means to marvel. Wonder actually means in the Hebrew extraordinary, a miracle or miracles of God. 
That's what the wonder is all about. I think that's what we're really looking to create in our houses is the wonder of Christmas. And so when I say Merry Christmas to you, here's really what I'm saying. When I say Merry Christmas to someone, I'm really saying I wish you a life full of miracles and signs and wonders. Why is it that even in today's world, when you say Merry Christmas, people are like, oh my goodness, being politically correct. You know why? Because there's power in the wonders of saying Merry Christmas because I'm saying to you, I wish you a life full of miracles, signs, and wonders. So let me tell it to you this morning. Merry Christmas, Passion Life Church. Merry Christmas. Let's receive Miracles, miracles. And guess who is the wonder of Christmas? Jesus is the wonder of Christmas. He's the center figure. And you know what? I just still believe that God wants the world to experience his wonders. I believe that God wants you to continue to experience his wonders. Come on, say good amen this morning. And so I've entitled this series, this series that we're going to look at for this week and next week, A Beautiful Surrender. And why would you call it that, Pastor Phil? It's because only in our surrender to God's will and his plan that we can experience the wonder that God has for us. Now, I realize today as we talk about surrender, beautiful surrender, that the word surrender in its definition can have a really negative connotation, right? That's not a good word when you talk about surrendering to your enemies. Nobody wants to wave the white flag of surrender to their enemies, right, and say we surrender. But as I look deeper into the word surrender, I also realized that it means a yielding, a, a yielding. And see, and I know personally, it was when I yielded my will to God's will that I experienced the wonder of the Savior of Jesus Christ. Because for 19 years of my life, I lived in my will. And guess what? There was not really any wonder <laughs> there was no miracles. It was just me living for myself. But it was when I came to this place of beautiful surrender and said, God, here is my life. I experienced Jesus and the wonder of Christmas. And I think of when, you know, when we think about the Christmas story, because we live on this side of Christmas, we want to just kind of rush to the end of the story where we know everything turned out okay. And we see the nativity scene and we say, wow, the wonder. But I think if we were to talk to Mary and Joseph, <laughs> there were times that it didn't seem like the wonder was working. Come on. There was a lot going on behind the scenes. But the reason why even the world today can experience the wonder of Christmas is because of those who went before us who had a beautiful surrender in their lives. And the reality of it is, is that we're going to see today as we talk about Joseph and next week talk about Mary, that in their lives they came to a place of beautiful surrender. And I want to tell you this morning, if you're taking notes, write this down. If you're not taking notes, write this down. It's in the beautiful surrender that we experience the wonder. You can say it this way. It's in the beautiful surrender that the result is always the wonder. 
If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And let's read the Christmas story. And today we're going to focus on Joseph. And ladies, I hope you brought your man today because we're going to look at Joseph. And men, let me just tell you this. Next week, bring your lady and because uh, we're going to talk about Mary. And as I talk about Joseph today, ladies, let me just give you a couple cues, all right? There's going to be some great opportunities in this message for you as a lady to say amen. Now, I can't wait for you, all right? There's going to be some great opportunities for you to say, oh, amen, amen, amen. And so I'm going to say take those opportunities. Now, guys, before you get a little upset at me, next week is your week. Because next week we're going to talk about Mary. And, guys, you're going to have some good opportunities to say amen. Are there any guys in the house? Let me try this. Are there men in the house today? All right. Let's look at Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Joseph, and why would you look at Joseph, Pastor Phil? Because he was handpicked by God to be Jesus' earthly father. And why? Because he was a good man. Joseph was a good man. And you think about this for a minute, guys. Listen, there was many men on the earth that day. There was a lot of people that God could have picked. But he picked Joseph. And I want to ask you this, guys. Would you qualify for that? God handpicked Joseph to be Jesus' earthly father, to raise him, to guide him, to lead him. And I wonder today, would any of us qualify for that? Let's look at the story, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus was on the wise when he... His mother, Mary, was espoused to Joseph before they came together. She was found with a child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Come on, everybody say that. Just man. He was a just man, not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privy. Verse 20. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear. Fear not. Would you say that to your neighbor just real quick? Tell your neighbor, fear not. The angel said, fear not to take unto thee, Mary, thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she will bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, I want to look at Joseph, and as we look at Joseph and we look at the part that he played, what was it really that God saw in him that caused God to pick him? And when I started looking at Joseph's life, here's what I started to think about. I started to think about what every man wants. What every man wants. And ladies, I'm going to tell you, our list is not long. Next week, if we talk about what women want, we don't have enough time in that sermon. Come on, somebody. We may be here for a while. But <laughs> all the ladies are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. But for us, we're just simple guys. Really, there's four things. There, actually, really, there's five things. But the fifth thing I cannot talk about in church. Come on, somebody. You guys get that? The fifth thing? We can't talk about it in church because there's little ones. So I narrowed it down to four. Come on, this is real life. It's real life. Four things that every guy wants. And then I thought about these four things I found in Joseph's life. And guys, see if you would agree with me. Here, here's, here's what I, I think every guy wants. See, I believe within every man there's a desire to have influence 
and to inspire those around him to live a fulfilled life that satisfies and to leave a legacy that impacts others beyond the life that they live. Come on, any guys agree with me that you want to be a man of influence? You want to be a man that is inspirational and inspire other people. That we want to be men who live a fulfilled life. And we actually want to have a legacy that would impact other people. I think at the heart of every man. That's why growing up, we put on these costumes like superheroes, right? Even you see three-year-olds, little scrimpy kids putting on the Hulk, right? Because they want to inspire people. They want to be influential. They want their life to, and we know that as a two-year-old, we, we, we dress up as these superheroes because in reality as men, we want to be the hero. Thank you, ladies, because I'm going to try that again. Unless I got a whole bunch of men that wanted to be the villain, then we got to change this message. So I'm going to try that one more time. Because we as men want to be the hero. Amen. That's okay. I don't know if we're... I'm still trying to find myself, Pastor Phil. No, you want to be the hero. You want to be the hero. At least for this message you do. You want to be the hero. But here's what I have found. As I looked into these qualities, influence, inspiration, fulfilled life, a legacy that impacts. For each one of these qualities, I realized that there's an underlying attribute. And I saw all of these as I looked at Joseph's life. And here's what I'm going to do today. I'm just going to go through, for, through these four qualities, but I'm also going to bring out the underlying attributes that support those qualities so you can be the man that God wants you to be. Here's the first one. The first quality is influence. How many of you would agree today that Joseph lived an influential life? Joseph was a man of influence. God chose him to be Jesus' earthly father. You know why Jesus went to church when he was little? Because Joseph took him. Joseph walked him up to the temple. You know what's interesting when you look at Jesus, Mary and Joseph. Now, this is a job I do not know if I could take. God knew that Joseph would be responsible, but Joseph wasn't perfect. So today, guys, as we talk about this, just don't, don't say, well, I'm just not perfect. None of us are perfect. And you know what? I, I'm trying to do my best to raise my kid. But, you know, imagine raising a perfect kid because at the end of the day, you know it's not going to be the kid's fault when you're raising Jesus. Right? But Mary and Joseph, there's a story in the Bible that they got busy doing their own thing. They took Jesus, right? And then they lost him. Can you imagine losing Jesus? Right? The Bible says three days and they were looking for him. And guess where they found Jesus? They found Jesus, I believe he was at 12 years old, at the temple. And let me submit to you the reason why Jesus was at the temple. Because Jesus knew that when things got tough, he needed to go to the temple. And it's funny because they find him at the temple and they start talking. And Joseph's like, hey, what, you know? And Jesus is like, I'm about my father's business. And I think Jesus was a little bit perplexed like, Joseph, you're the one that taught me to come to the temple. And I believe as men, we need to be men that show our earthly kids that you need to be in church. You need to be at the temple. But here's what I have found is that stay-at-home parents don't have go-to-church kids. 
And so Joseph was a man of influence. And God said, Joseph, I will entrust my only son to you to raise. Wow. The Bible says that Joseph was a just man, a good man. And Joseph was a man of influence. But here's what I've found, men, that today, if you want to be a man of influence, there's an underlying attribute that comes from being influential. And that underlying attribute is integrity. See, the quality is influence, but the attribute is integrity. Pastor Phil, so can you have influence without integrity? Yes, you can. You can have influence without integrity. But listen, influence without integrity is like a house that has no foundation. And what are we seeing today, guys? What are we seeing today, men, from Hollywood all the way to Washington, D.C., from actors to newscasters? A lack of integrity is causing men to lose the influence. And let me just tell you today that influence can take a lifetime to build and be lost in a moment. And we're seeing it. People who work their whole lives to achieve a certain status. And guess what happened? They lost it in a moment that was compromising to their lives. And you know what happens? They lose their influence. And I got to tell you that for us as men, if we want to be influential like Joseph, Joseph was an influential man because he had integrity. Come on. See, girls, that was a great opportunity for you to say amen. And you just totally missed that. Integrity, that, 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 that's, that's the whole thing. And you know what I have found? Influence actually is won or lost at the point of integrity. My heart goes out to people because I've watched people work their whole lives. And listen, I'm not here just talking about actors and I'm not here just talking about politicians. I have friends that were pastors of big churches. They were influential people. And because they lost the battle of integrity, they no longer have the church that they spent years building because in a moment they lost the battle of integrity and their influence has gone. And influence is won or lost at the point of integrity. And when integrity is lost, influence fades. You know, the dictionary describes integrity as this. It says a state of being complete. Would you everybody say that with me? Say complete. When you look at a person who has integrity, they're a complete person. What does that mean? They don't have divided loyalties. I think it's so tough for people to live a double life. I have found at the age of 19, before I gave my life to Christ, that I tried to be this, I tried to be that. And in all of this doing, it was so much hard work. And you know what? It's always tough and hard to live a double life. You know, you find that men at times, they'll be married and then all of a sudden, five years later, you find out that he had a girlfriend or he, had, he actually was married to somebody else and they're not... Not, not, a, not married anymore, but there's still an emotional attachment happening in, in that relationship. And you find that in that man, he has no integrity. Why? Because he has divided loyalties. And I'm like, how can you have two women at once? I can only handle one. Come on, somebody. I don't know about you. That's all I'm saying. Like, I just can handle one. But here's the deception. See, you think and people think that in that lifestyle, it will complete them when it actually divides you. And it divides your life and you're not complete and you're not whole. 
James chapter 1, verse 8 says this, a double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Well, the Bible talks about people who doubt, people who are, are double-minded. The Bible says they will not even receive anything from the Lord. And so a person that has integrity is a person who serves one master. And the Bible warns us, it says, you cannot serve two masters. And here's the truth. Guess what happens? We think, I can serve two masters. Nobody's going to know. I can serve two masters. Guess what? It's not really going to affect me. Oh, yeah? Ask some of the people in Hollywood. Because their lives today are totally trashed because of the loss of integrity. And here's the reality. What integrity does is it binds a person together and gives them a spirit of contentment. It binds them together. And see, here's the reality. The more integrity you have, the more credible you are. The more credible you are, the more confidence people had in you and have in you. And I want to tell you, here's the big thing. God honors integrity. I want to say that again. God honors integrity. There's a reason why we're talking about Joseph today 2,000 years later. It wasn't just because of his influence. It was because he was a man who fought for his integrity. You know, First Chronicles chapter 16, verse 9, I love this scripture. It says, for the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong, to show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are what? Loyal to him. That sounds like a man of integrity to me. Listen, God is looking for an integrity in our hearts and in our lives. God had to find a man of integrity. God had to find a man that would be the person who he said he would. Why? Because there was a big plan. There were wise men coming. There were shepherds coming. The wise man couldn't get there, and everybody's like, hey, where's Joseph? I don't know. He's kind of shady. You know, he, he's one of those guys that just disappears. I don't know, right? And then for 2,000 years later, you have a nativity scene with just Mary and the baby because nobody knows where, you know. But see, God didn't want that kind of person bringing Jesus to the world. God wanted a man of integrity. So when the wise men sh showed up, when the plan was being unfold, God, unfolded, God knew who he could count on. And God honors integrity. How do you know, Pastor Phil, that Joseph was a man of integrity? Well, when you read the story, Joseph was engaged to the woman of his dreams. He loved Mary. He wanted to marry her. And then like a Jerry Springer episode, he finds out that she's pregnant. He knows it's not his. And he's like, God, what do I do? You know, that's at the part where they say, Jerry, Jerry, Jerry. Right? Or you go on Maury Povich. You try to find out who the father is. Is this too real today? So I think we read the Bible and go, oh, this is the Christmas story. And Joseph didn't know, ladies and gentlemen, until the angel showed up. But here's how I know that he was a man of integrity. Listen, the Bible says when he found out that Mary was pregnant, he, listen, he started to bait in his mind to divorce her quietly. Quietly. Why? He didn't want to shame her. And even when the circumstances didn't make sense to him, he decided to be a man of integrity. And watch when the angel shows up. You know when the angel shows up? The angel shows up in Joseph's life when he decides to give Mary grace. See, as men of integrity, we need to be men that don't shame our wives. Come on, ladies, where are you at today? Is this so good it's hurting your head that you're forgetting to say amen? 
Let me try that again, ladies. I'm not going to give you cues like this anymore today. Men, we need to be men who live a life of integrity that does not shame our wives. That's the kind of man that Joseph was. He even thought, I will put her away quietly. You know why? His reputation was on the line. At this time, Mary could be stoned because she was pregnant and not married. And Joseph said, my reputation, I do not want my reputation to be associated with that. But here's how I'm going to handle it. I'm not going to call her out on Facebook. I'm not going to shame her on Twitter. I'm going to handle this quietly because love covers a multitude of sin. And in that, when he gave her grace, the angel showed up and said, hold on, Joseph. Listen, the baby that she has is conceived by the Holy Spirit. So I think it had to be an angel to tell her that. Because if Mary would have said that, he would have been like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the angel shows up and says what she has, the baby is the son of God. And here's the second quality that I think all of us as men want is we want to be inspirational. We want to inspire other people. See, I kind of was wondering, like, what's the difference between influence and inspiration? And influence is what makes you go in a particular direction. But inspiration is a little different. Inspiration is actually the motivation to get up and it starts to get you going. That's what inspiration is is. And listen, guys and and ladies, I hope your life is inspirational to the people around you. Come on. I hope that people look at your life and say, wow, you are blessed. How is that happening? Wow, look at the economy and you're still going. You're still smiling. I hope that your life is an inspiration. Inspiration is a great quality to have. But can I just encourage us today, in order for us men to be an inspiration to others, we have to be inspired first. Come on, somebody. You can't give anybody inspiration that you don't have. And there's a lot of people, even Christians, that are living uninspired lives. Wake up, take the coffee, go to work, come home, watch the news, maybe a game. Love you, honey. And the same thing, it's like Groundhog Day every single day. Living on inspirational lives. Your life is like the grandparents in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Do you ever remember them? They're in bed all day. Two couples looking at each other. They are so unmotivated that Charlie comes home with a golden ticket and only one of them gets out of bed. I got a golden ticket. And Grandpa Joe, remember, he gets up. I was like, get up, dude. Come on. There's an everlasting gobstopper at stake. You got to get in there, man. But that's how most people just stay in bed out there. I have a reason to live. Man, come on. God wants to inspire you, but here is the attribute for inspiration. It's intimacy with God. See, Joseph, are you ready for this? And hopefully this will inspire you. Joseph didn't have the full Bible. Joseph only had the Torah. You want to, he only had the book of the law. And you know what? As a man of integrity, he even tried to follow the law as best as he can. And today, you and I are not under the law. We are under grace. We are under a new covenant. But can I just tell you, grace is here to empower us to do the will of God. 
Grace is here to empower us not to sin. But Joseph didn't even have that. Joseph had the Torah. He had the book of the law. Now, I want you to hear this. Joseph wasn't perfect, but he was a just man. And he listened to God. He read what he needed to read. He had an ear for God. And here's what Joseph did in moments of his life. He surrendered his time to God. It's a beautiful surrender, and I'm going to tell you why. Because God is the ultimate source of inspiration. I, you need to hear me this morning. God is the ultimate source of inspiration in your life. He is. And here's what we're going to have to contend with, men. If you're not going to live by intimacy with God, you're going to either live your life by reason or you're going to live your life by revelation. And your reasoning will only go so far. I know men today that are stuck because they only live by this right here instead of living by this. Instead of living by a revelation of God in their life and on their job, God showing them things, they only live by this. And let me submit to you again, God is the ultimate source of inspiration. There's tons of examples in the Bible. What about Noah? Noah, no one's ever built a boat before. And God inspires him to build a boat. And he tells people, it's going to rain. It's gonna, and they're like, rain? God told Noah to build a boat before people even knew what rain was. And people are like, man, you cray-cray, Noah. You cray-cray. Noah, you, rain? What's that? What's that rain? What, what was that? It ain't going to, whoa. What? There's water. And Noah ran to the boat. But the Bible says that Noah walked with God. He walked with God. And you say, oh, Pastor Phil, God ain't going to call me to build an ark. Can I just tell you? And let me use the principle today. The inspiration that God gave Noah saved Noah's whole family when everyone around him perished. And I'm telling you that you can be on the job and God can inspire you to do something for your company that no one else could ever think about because it didn't come about with reason. It came out from a revelation from God. That is true inspiration. Come on, my church family. And I'm just saying that we need to be intimate with God. But in other words, or let me say it this way, for us to have intimacy with God, that's going to take faith. That we're going to have to believe. You know, something really, really simple. Say I was sitting here for worship, and I'm worshiping. And this is how God works. So simple. I'm worshiping today, and I felt the Lord tell me, your microphone is not on. You need to turn on your microphone, because when you get up there, and I'm just like, oh, all right. I turned on, and I looked at my mic, my microphone wasn't on. And I'm telling you, in the little things of your life, God will show you things. Why? Because he wants you to be a man of influence. He wants your life to inspire others. Come on, somebody, today. And as men, we want to be inspirational. I know. How do you know that, Phil? I know, number one, because I'm a man. But here's number two. I listen to us talk. See, women, here's what, we, women, here's what you do. You keep up with the Kardashians, right? For us, guys, it's the one-ups. We one-up each other, right? We one-up each other. How big's your house? Oh, it's 2,000 square feet. Mine's 2,001 square feet. How big's your TV? You got a 50-inch. Mine's 51 inches. Right, what kind of car are you drive? How fast? Oh, mine goes this fast. And here, here's the goal. The whole goal is inspiration. What kind of dog you have? Oh, you have a German Shepherd? Oh, oh, oh well, I have a, a pit wolf. <laughs> What's that? Well, that's when a pit bull and a wolf have puppies. It's a pit wolf. 
That's what I got. It's amazing. His jaw's like a pit bull, but at midnight he howls at the moon. Right? Why? It's because like we try to we want to be inspirational about why don't we be inspirational about the things of God? You know, the Bible never talks about anything that Joseph had. It didn't talk about his stuff, but it talked about his life. And so today, what's important is that we fight for the faith. You gotta spend time with God. He will talk with you, He will speak with you. We gotta fight for that faith. But I want you to notice something. And guys, we deal with this. We don't talk about it a lot. And women deal with this too. But listen, the angel showed up and he said this, fear not. Fear not. And I want to tell you, gentlemen, today, fear not to be the man of the house. Fear not to be the man at work that works while everybody else just does whatever they do and criticize the people that work. Fear not. Because God blessed Joseph because Joseph was a hard worker. He was a carpenter. Can I just tell you, Joseph wasn't this guy that was just spending time with God out in the fields. Oh, God. Joseph was a business owner. He was a carpenter. Come on, somebody. He had a business to run, and yet God still chose him because God looked at the work of his hands. And I would tell you today, man, fear not. Be the voice of God to your household. Be the voice of God to your kids. Fear not in standing up for godly and righteous things. Can I just tell you today that fear will kill your inspiration? Fear will kill your motivation? It will. And the reason why when we read the Bible, men, the reason why we look at these heroes of the faith and we love them, it wasn't because of their fear. It was because of their Faith. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33 says this. Who through their faith, come on, everybody say that with me. Faith. Who through their faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness. See, we like that. That's guy talk, right? Wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions. Yeah. Phil, have you ever stopped the mouth of lions? No, I'm allergic to cats. Subdued kingdoms, yeah! Well, you're never going to do that living an uninspired life and being a man full of fear. Fear is contagious. And your fear you put on other people through your words. And you need to watch your words over your kids. You need to speak faith and life. Our words matter today. And I just believe that you can be an inspiration to our community, to your family men, to your kids. But the underlining attribute is spending time with God. Is this good this morning? It's good. None of the men are clapping, all the ladies are now. Here we see the third quality. And here we see it in Joseph's life. To live a fulfilled life. To live a fulfilled life. And I'm going to be honest with you, the only way you can live a fulfilled life is to live a life on purpose and for a purpose. Your life, God has put you here at this time, such a time as this, for a purpose. There's a reason why you're here. There's a reason why today I'm standing here in Marietta. There's a reason. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. But listen, if you live your life for your own purposes, and I'm going to be honest with you, Although you're going to find moments of satisfaction, you'll never be fulfilled. You'll never be fulfilled. 
That's why we continue to try to get more things. That's why sometimes we fill our lives with all of these things. To, be, to live a life that is fulfilled, here's the attribute. Are you ready? The attribute is this, to trust God's plan. Joseph, finding out that his fiance was pregnant before they came together, um, that doesn't sound like a good plan. And Joseph had to trust God's plan and say, God, I trust you. And here's what I could tell you, because I know from Joseph's life, I know from my life, and let me help you. God's plan for Joseph was bigger than Joseph's plan for Joseph. Do you think that Joseph would know that today some crazy pastor with ADD is talking about him in a service? You think he ever would know that? Do you think that from here on out that he knew how many people that he would be in most of your front yards? Right? Do you think he knew that they would be selling him at Walmart? Come on, somebody. He didn't know that. He knew nothing to that. He didn't know that the plan that God had for him was so big. And I'm going to tell you the same thing. The plan that God has for your life is bigger than the plan that you have for him that you have for yourself. And it goes along. Here's why this is key. See, God had a plan for Joseph that went along with God's master plan for the world. And so your plan and the plan that God has for you goes along with God's master plan for the earth. And you know what that is? To fulfill the mission of Jesus Christ and let people know that Jesus is the wonder of Christmas, that Jesus is the wonder that we seek. But Joseph had to come to this place of beautiful surrender that said, God, not my plan, but your plan for my life. I submit to you today that Joseph could have heard that Mary was pregnant and left and walked out because the plan didn't make sense and we would never have heard Joseph We wouldn't be talking about him today. And I believe that today God has a plan for your life. But can you come to a place of beautiful surrender where you say, not my will, God, but your will. I'll obey you, God, even when it doesn't seem like things are working out. And see, I think sometimes what we try to do to live a fulfilled life is we just try to fill our stuff, fill our lives with stuff. Fill our lives with things. You know, how many of you heard the saying, the only thing that changes for boys is the price of their toys? Right? My heart goes out to the people this week who lost their house in a fire. I can't even imagine. But can I tell you today as a Christian, I have a hope and an anchor far beyond my house, beyond my car, I told my wife, we have to evacuate. We may have to evacuate. I said, we're going to have to evacuate. But I said, I'm going to have to call somebody to help get the the flat screen that we bought from Black Friday. Put it in the car. I got a good deal on that thing. I was up at 1 in the morning for that TV. You think it's funny, but that's kind of how we think. And can I just tell you? You can have a big house, but it can be lost in a matter of moments. And if you put your life and the fulfillment of your life in that, and I'm not against it. God bless you. I pray that God blesses you. 
I really do. I pray that you live in his blessing. But that is not what sustains and supplies our life. It is a life of Jesus. And let me just tell you, you can put your hands together today. And see, we have to realize this, my church family. Until Jesus is enough for you, nothing else will ever be. And I'm going to say it because today I'm talking to men. You can be married and commit adultery. And you may think that that's going to satisfy you. And it won't. You can think that if you have more money, it's going to satisfy you. Are you saying we don't need money? No, we need money. But I'm just going to tell you, if Jesus isn't enough for you, money will never be enough for you. You can fill your life with people. And I love friends. I believe we're all about here. We're better together. But at the end of the day, you can't have enough friends to meet your needs. There are some needs that only Jesus can meet. And when you understand that, that satisfaction comes from him, your life changes. And all these things are just things that you enjoy. But if you can't enjoy him, you'll never enjoy any other thing. And I got to say that today because I've seen people and friends that I've known who were rich and blew their brains out because the money that they thought would satisfy them only became more of a problem in their lives. And you have to find your hope in Jesus. And here's the last one for this encouraging Christmas message. I know, I know it's Christmas, but don't blame me. Blame God, because he gave it to me. I was like, I wanted this just to be like a really cool, like all of us, you know, feel like snickerdoodle or something, you know, like we're just come together. But see, Joseph got to that moment when he experienced Jesus because he was a man of integrity, because he fought for intimacy with God, because he fought for his faith. And he allowed Jesus to be first. And here's where I want to close today. So I think the last quality for us as men, what we want is we want to leave a legacy that impacts others beyond the life that they live. That's what we want. And I got to tell you, I'm going to ask you this. I hope it's a sobering moment today. What are they going to say about you at your funeral? You know, I've done many funerals where the family are trying to make up, was he generous? Well, I think he was generous. I don't know, was he generous? No, he was mean. Well, let's say he's generous. <laughs> it's the funeral. Was he nice? Did he like? No, he hated people. <laughs> what am I going to say? <laughs> was he a hard worker? No, he was a lazy bum. <laughs> Pastor, we don't know what, okay, I'll just read the scriptures. And here's what I want to know. When you take your last breath, And I think this is the one question that God's going to ask us. How many people did you impact with the Jesus that God gave you? How many lives are impacted by your relationship with Christ? Because at the end of the day, when you get to heaven, that's the only thing that's going to be there is the people that you touched, not our houses, not our cars. Those are all great things. But who will you impact? Who are you impacting? See, and here's the attribute of a legacy that impacts people. 
The attribute is a life, not just moments, a life that is surrendered to God. Joseph surrendered to the will of God that shaped his legacy. And so we can look at surrendering. I don't know how you look at that when you think you know I'm talking about it. You can look at surrendering as an inconvenience. Or you can look at surrendering like Joseph did. Joseph didn't look at surrendering to God as an inconvenience. He looked at it as an invitation to greatness. Greatness, Pastor Phil, yeah. See, because the way you define greatness and God defines greatness can be totally different. God says the greatest among you are those who serve. Today, my church family, I want to let you know we stand on the other side of Christmas and we behold the wonder. And sometimes we forget about the sacrifice of those like Mary and Joseph who surrendered their life to make sure that Jesus was brought into the world. And I think if Joseph was here today, here's what I think I could tell you. Although in every nativity you see around the world, He's there. They've written movies about Joseph and Mary. Man, influence, inspiration. But here's what I think Joseph would say. It wasn't about all those things. I think Joseph would say today, the goal of my life was to please God so the world could experience Jesus. All the sacrifice was worth it. And here's... The beautiful surrender because Joseph and Mary were the very first people to experience Jesus. See, we can't give the world Jesus without experiencing him ourselves. And that's why I say surrender is always beautiful because the result is always the wonder. Joseph and Mary, to be able, I don't know, I can't even imagine what Joseph thought to see Jesus for the very first time in the flesh. But I will say this, I bet you he thought it was worth every ounce of sacrifice to make sure that a world could experience Jesus. In my church family, see you and I can't share the wonder of Jesus until we have experienced the wonder ourselves. And I'm not talking about just telling the world about Jesus. I'm talking about you experiencing Jesus. I'm going to say this next week, but I'm going to say it again. I love the line in Mary, did you know, when it says this, the child that you delivered would soon deliver you. The Jesus that you share will also be the Jesus that works miracles in you. And it's a beautiful surrender. Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.